You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. A little jingle jangle in the mix there. This is the Christmas edition of Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. In studio with me, we have Sean Lother. Hello, how are uh, you? Very well. I'm very well. We we wish we were knee deep in some beverage of choice, um, but it's middle of the afternoon here in the office, so it's not really. Uh, I guess you could during this time of season, couldn't we? If we really wanted to, uh, if we wanted to, but we really shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. And on the line, we've got Dano Drummond. Dano, how are you? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm very well. And uh, a, a voice from the past who's probably going to stay a little bit more in the in the background today unless he feels like he wants to chime in because we'll allow him to chime in because he's part of the crew here. Uh, we've got the chilling with Shillin. We've got Andrea Shillin here. Or Shaleen. My apologies. I keep saying Shillin because I'm so used to it and rhymes with Chillin. But it's Shaleen. So, Andreas, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Yes. That's, it's great. I love having him on the show. It's a good start, right? It is a great yeah, start. Our international audience is going to go up in Germany and Russia right now. So I think so. It was amazing because I, I checked the stats uh, after the last podcast, and, and I think I mentioned to you, Dan, the, the, it, it went nuts in Russia. There were so many people <laughs> listening in Russia that, you know, we should have a syndicated show in Russia. Although I probably just some kids that got down a rabbit hole and just ended up clicking <laughs> on, on the wrong thing or something. So, well, it's a fantastic rabbit hole, and that kid hit it like 20 times, so or 24 <laughs> times. They're actually probably trying to ilf- infiltrate Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. <laughs> oh, that's possible, <laughs> you know. And the way in is through the podcast, absolutely. I'm, we're gonna get some emails here at the <laughs> office, you know, hey, podcast people to come to Russia. It would something like that. I don't know. It is a Christmas. Andy's not laughing no, reason. Andy's not laughing. Yeah, he's got a Russian background. That's why. Um, so yeah, it's it's the Christmas show. It's sort of the last podcast to end off this year, and and what a year it's been. Twenty twenty. I, I, I mean, it could be something. We were going to be talking stadiums and things like that, but let's just start it off with talking about a what the club is doing here over the next little bit. And uh, and then B, what your thoughts have been over this strange year that's been 2020. Anybody want to jump into? Well, let's start with the club stuff. So, um, Dano, you want to take that, or Sean, do you want to take that as far as just what we're what we've been up to and what we're going to continue being up to? Yeah, uh, actually, actually, Dano, maybe maybe you take that one. Yeah, I'll just give a quick update. Um, so we've been working with. Uh, the technical leads and the coaches of getting some online videos out. So the staff has been able to get out with a couple of our players pre-restrictions uh, and filming some videos and getting some session plans out. And then that's been down to our tech leads and they've worked with our coaches and our players to develop that. So it's been, it's been going really well. Um, some of our tech leads have had some other opportunities to work with our players, but yeah, it's been, uh, been well-received. That's great. And and uh, to add to that, yeah, Sean? to add to that on the community side, D has been doing podcasts with sorry, um, some online training yeah. with with players and coaches, etc. And they've been well received. So he's done he does three a week. Yeah. So I think he's got some this this week just finished off, and obviously we're done on Friday for the for the break. Yeah, it's it's, and I have to, I have to say I've been in the uh, office here while. D has been doing these sessions and it's pretty entertaining. He's so animated 
Um, and, and I've actually snuck around the corner to picture some of the some of the players that have that are doing the mix, and some of them are really young, but it's so much fun to watch. And it looks like they're I getting that, so much out of it, which is great. I think that picture made it on social media, right? Just a snapshot of all the kids working at home and whatnot. Yeah, actually, I think you're right. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Which, which yeah. is no, he, go he ahead. Does a good job with them, right? You have to uh, when the kids are at home and on online schooling and everything else. You definitely need to bring a lot of energy to get the kids kind of out of their shell and enjoying themselves. So it's been good. Yeah, and, and that being said, it kind of. Well, it doesn't lend itself, but it just makes me think about the year we've had. I mean, we are now roughly nine months into this COVID scenario, COVID-19. Uh, I, I still don't understand why they call it the um, novel. Like, what, what, is, what does novel coronavirus mean? <laughs> I have like, no idea. I, I, I don't, I, I mean, it's a, is it a novel idea? Is it a novel type of virus? I'm not feeling too novel about it. <laughs> it's something that's it's it struck us close to home with uh with a bunch of uh staff and it's struck us with players and parents and it's it's just been the oddest of years yeah it's been brutal actually um you look at all the changes that occur throughout the year i mean there'll be restrictions put in place and then the guidance get changed within a day it just yeah. seems to be week after week seems to happen so Hopefully we're going to get rid of it totally this year once the vaccine gets distributed. Uh, that'll be good for all walks of life, but particularly the, the soccer industry where our clubs and our districts are feeling it quite quite badly. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's it's the same for, for every sport out there, I would imagine. We, we were having discussions last week about some of the other sports and how some of the clubs of those other sports are being literally forced to shut down based on the restrictions and you know as it's horrible because it'll come back it always comes back maybe in a different shape or different form but um you know for those other sports and those other clubs that are struggling that may be listening to the the podcast uh, more power to you you're going to come back stronger and uh, and and better for it and uh i mean it's easier said than done as far as the coming back and being better for it but at the end of the day Honestly, if it's a year to get rid of this thing, then it's a year to get rid of this thing. You think back to well, the Spanish flu back in the early 1900s where it wiped out 50 million people in the second go-around. The first one was 2 or 3 million, which is still a ton. And with the medical advancements we have, you know, if we get through it and it's only a year, that's pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. It's a conspiracy theory, isn't it? That's what people are saying. <laughs> How do you, when you see the people in the hospital, like, and, and, and I, Dano, I know, I know your, your wife's involved in the medical community and, and sees it firsthand. So uh, it's real. Yeah. It's a real it's, thing. It's totally real. I mean, I, I don't get this conspiracy theory thing. I mean, people are, are very sick and people are dying and it's, it's mind boggling that this has occurred in this day and age. Yeah, for sure. People have too much time on their hands at home, maybe with COVID, and want to entertain themselves or bring up, uh, you know, different things that's gonna fit whatever their where their thought process is. I guess, but who knows? I just, I just think it's crazy because, um, you know, you hear all these people that are like, you know, that the conspiracy theorists or whatever, and and then then they catch it, and then all of a sudden it's a complete reversal. Oh, I've had mm-hmm. this. I've been so sick. I was laid up for 
you know, months. And people are people who've complained and stuff like that, or have been on ventilators for months. And yeah. uh, you know, what do you say now, sort of thing? Or Except have a family if you're Donald member. Trump. If you're Donald Trump, it doesn't uh, matter. So yeah, he's whatever. he's a whole other piece of wax. That's another part of this year that's, <laughs> you know, has seen it come to an end for him. And you know, and uh, yeah, things hopefully will change down there, down south, for those folks down there, as far as both the the virus, which is still huge numbers, like absolutely Look at huge that. numbers. Ten minutes, and we've covered off. U.S. politics and coronavirus already. Hit. Yeah, okay, well, cool. it's it, well, it's been the, it's the largest talking point for the year so far. Most absolutely. I mean that in the NHL bubble, I guess. But you know that was okay, I suppose. Premier League is still pretty good, though, isn't it? Well, we lost great. yesterday. So did you did you lose yesterday? Yeah. Did, Leeds. Did the, the two two thousand fans like it though? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How was your weekend, Dano? I'm trying to think. I'm kind of related to Spurs and the results. Well, that's what uh, I meant. That's what I meant with how was the result, the, the result for you. Well, D would have loved it because Liverpool got a 90th minute winner yesterday against Spurs. But uh, there was <sighs> much conversation about the amount of possession Tottenham had. I think it was 23% for the whole match, which is absolutely crazy. But, um, you know, we hit the post hit actually a couple of good chances too. So, a little bit of the conversation of football versus what people call anti-football right now, but I guess for Mourinho, it's effective against some of the big teams. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, a while back, we alluded to talking about stadiums and whether you've seen the stadiums, been to the stadiums, all the guys um, here on the show, were, were they've got your favorites and... You know, what was a cool stadium? What was another stadium that you've been to or seen? Um, obviously, being a European kind of man there, Sean, I'm sure you've been to quite a few different stadiums around the world. Um, what's your favorite um, or what, what's been the best experience for you? Well, there's, there's quite a few. I mean, obviously, as a young boy growing up in the northeast of England, going to St. James's Park for the first time was was unbelievable. You know, and back in the day when, when I went, this is like, First time I went, it must be 1968 or 69. I think my my uncle took me to watch Newcastle play the first time in it. You know, it wasn't like it is now. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it was just standing only. And there was one stand that had some seats where, you, could, you know, the posh people went. But us peasants, us <laughs> working class people, we were shoulder to shoulder with 55,000 in there. Oh. And... Uh, you know, I can always remember I was up at the top of the Leaser's End, it's called, and you'd look down and there'd be f- uh, four brick walls in a square and some tar on the wall <laughs> and spectators were having a pee against the wall and there was no roof on it. And so up top, you can watch them all having a pee. Nice. Uh, I, can, I can always remember that. And, and I never went in that, that square at all. But uh, yeah, that's what... You know, it used to be like facilities were awful, but the atmosphere was absolutely unbelievable. You know, you cut it with a knife. Yeah. Uh, with 55,000 Geordies singing in in unison, uh, aware the lads and the blading races, etc. So that was probably my first experience at a big stadium, and I'll never forget it. I used to also, also like a guy called Charlie Cook, and I remember Newcastle played Chelsea one time, and you know the ball came over to the 
over to the stand. It was just a, an asphalt running track. And I grabbed the ball and threw it back to him. And he winked at me and said, thanks, lad. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. He was my favorite player in the league. And then I met him uh, like 20 years later. Actually, not that long. Probably 15 years later with the Vancouver Whitecaps. He was the Nike rep. And he would come up to Vancouver what? from Portland. And I, I asked him one day, I said, um, I used to love you when I was a kid watching you play. And I says, yeah, you played in this game at St. James's Park against Newcastle. And the ball came off the field or the pitch, came off the pitch and I grabbed it and I give it to you. I will never, ever forget that day. He said, I can't remember that, son. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you know, that, that was my first ever experience at a big stadium and it was just absolutely fantastic watching Newcastle play. Personally, I've played in a few. Uh, obviously, I, I played for Manchester United youth team. And I played at Old Trafford in every youth cup match. Nice. That was absolutely fantastic. Played at Goodison in every youth cup match as well for Man United. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. That was probably the best atmosphere I've ever been in. And there was only like 2,000 people at the game in a 40,000-seat yeah. stadium, but it was absolutely great. I was only 17 at the time. Uh, they were great and probably the best one I've played in with a fairly big crowd was Giant Stadium in New York City. Oh, that would well, be actually huge too. In New Jersey it is. And, uh, you know, playing against... How many the, people were there? Uh, 50,000. Playing, wow. playing against the Cosmos. Uh, Pelé days? No, after Pelé. Oh, Pelé okay. gone, but Niskins was playing. Oh, okay. Bogey was a big yeah, yeah. Slavian boy. was a a great player, Giorgio Cinagli, et cetera. You know, obviously that was a good atmosphere as well. But, you know, and I've been to some good stadiums to watch games as well. And these not here, but Anfield is special. Yeah. When the, when they sing You'll Never Walk Alone prior to the That's match, it's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Like yeah. it's so, so heart lifting. And, you know, people, players get up for the game, obviously, but. Just as a fan, you know, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Dano, what about you? If, you know, if, if you, what's the best place you've played in? The Butter Dome? <laughs> I'm kidding, man. I'm kidding. <laughs> the banter starts. Um, it would definitely probably be my time when we had the aviators going. Um, what was cool is a lot of teams that are in the MLS now um, were playing in the A-League. So you had the Whitecaps, you had Portland Timbers. Um had Montreal Impact. That was probably Portland Timbers was a definitely a good environment or a good atmosphere. Um, Montreal Impact probably had the best or the most players that I guess had the opportunity to play in front of, which was 10,000, which was cool. Like as a young, young kid going in those environments. Um, Seahawks Stadium, got to play in there. About 2,000 people, maybe 3,000 were in there, right? Mm -hmm. So small crowd, obviously, but just the environment in the stadium to be in. So not the same atmosphere, obviously, that Sean took part in, but just those those large stadiums to be a part of them, and you know the dress rooms and all that kind of thing, and see that as an eighteen year old yeah. was definitely pretty cool. Um, it's funny when Sean speaks of St. James's Park, and as you know, the facility was worn down, but as the best atmosphere, it's like you always seem to find that, right? Like yes, there's these new stadiums going up. Tottenham's one of them. Um, obviously, I haven't been there uh, yet. Hopefully, they get over there at some point, but. Um, yeah, just some of the older stadiums just seem to have such a great atmosphere. I know I shared the story with you guys that I went on a, on a tour with um, St. Francis Xavier in 2012. 
and got to go to the San Siro and you don't realize how special it is. And again, old, old, old stadium, but just the history and everything that's gone on there. So that was a really cool stadium to, to go and visit. Um, amongst that has been mostly just Premier League grounds. So we did Old Trafford for a game, which was really cool, obviously. That one sticks out. Um, Stamford Bridge, Highbury when it was still Highbury, and uh, the Emirates too when that had opened up. So yeah, some games there in the capital. And yeah, it's been, been cool. I think the, the best memory is Sean kind of already alluded to it is the first time you go see a live game and you walk up the steps and it's the night match or whatever, and you just see the pitch and you're thinking, well, so much better than it being on TV, right? Especially a kid coming from Canada. I think 99 was my first game. Uh, I went into Liverpool Spurs. Uh, just happened to be, my family was over there and it was my brother's favorite team and my favorite team. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's special for sure to see those games live. It's, it's, there's nothing really like it. Yeah. I think my first game that I actually saw over in Europe was, uh, was a Ranger Celtic game at Parkhead. Oh, that, well, that was, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a awesome. great first game to oh see live. Oh my gosh. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I made sure I wore a black jacket so it was neutral. <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. have any color on me at all. And, uh, yeah, amazing. Just the, the crowd. I was in awe. I was just grinning from ear to ear, just over the atmosphere alone. And um, Celtic lost the game, and there was like a sliver of seats in the corner of the stadium, and I've never heard a group of people make so much noise. It was unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, it was great. And then I've, you know, I've been – I'm trying to think of some other stadiums. I was lucky enough to go to Old Trafford as well and see a couple of matches there. Uh, it was great. And uh, a lot of stuff from the distance uh, where you go driving past stadiums and seeing mm-hmm. them. Um, I was in Holland and, and was in PSV, uh, Eindhoven. Their stadium there was pretty spectacular. Um, that was probably the first stadium I actually got to go into. Um I guess, yeah. So here I am talking about the Scottish one, which happened much later, but that was a, a massive game just to see like an old Derby game. Yeah, it, it's funny. Like when I ever go away on holiday with the missus, I'll um, I'll always go by a stadium. <laughs> there might not be a game going on, but if if I'm, you know, over in England where we've been a couple of times and we'll, we'll just go to Liverpool, I'll say, oh, let's go past Danfield, let's go past Goodison. You know, just to look at it. Yeah. And you're not even going in there, but there's something about those older stadiums that are fantastic. And Rachel and I went to Boston last year uh, and went to to Fenway. And that was the closest I've been to a North American stadium as what you can get in, in England. I mean, History-wise. History, it's just history unbelievable. unbelievable. It was yeah. an old stadium. The atmosphere was fantastic. It's just something about those older stadiums are better than the new ones. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm not, I'm not going to leave him out, and if you, you want to answer, you can. But, Andreas, I, I, you've obviously seen some great stadiums and been around great stadiums in Germany. Um, any thoughts on, on what you've enjoyed or what you've liked as far as stadiums go? Um, you know what? I'm actually... Um, didn't go to many uh, stadiums, which one is kind of a shame, especially coming from Europe, from, from Germany. Um, I had many opportunities, uh, Stuttgart, Munich, uh, everything was so close. I could have go to, to very beautiful, nice uh, stadiums, but I, I just didn't use the opportunity, to be honest. Um, if I was in old stadiums like the Olympic Park, which one doesn't exist anymore, um, the Olympia Stadium, 
uh, with Munich. That's my first experience I ever had. We drove with the bus with like kind of with our soccer team. I didn't even know what to expect. Took a soccer ball in my backpack, to be honest, because I thought we were playing soccer there. <laughs> um, this is a, yeah, and I don't know. I didn't really like. I didn't. I I didn't really understand. It was still um, the track and field. Um, uh, how you, how you're calling this the the, the track? Uh, mm-hmm. It was like yeah. kind of a little bit far away, and yeah, it was like. Um, it, it was like loud and, and everyone was like cheering, but it didn't really touch me personally. It was way too far to see the game, to get really into it. I know it probably was too young, but yeah, I didn't go. Like, I don't know. I went to more games here probably, like um, watching the Commonwealth Stadium, the football team, than I was in soccer stadiums. Um, when you come here to, to, to North America... I think this is what I probably definitely regret that I didn't go to more stadiums to get this feeling to see more uh, soccer games. I definitely regret. I realized how special it is um, when you have the opportunity, like just driving like an hour or thirty minutes to a great soccer game and a stadium, and you didn't go. And now it's like you're missing this, and it's like uh, you had the chance but you didn't go. Um, I would just recommend to everyone if you ever have a chance to see a game, just to go. Yeah, yeah that's what- funny. I was- going to say exactly that, that growing up in Europe, you kind of take it for granted, right? Yeah. Um, I think for us in hearing that, we think, oh, you know, you've got to go to the games. And like Sean said, when, when you go over to Europe or England on holidays, you always got to make an effort to go to those games because they're, they're few and far between, right? But when you live there, you kind of just take it for granted. Like this is the culture and environment you're in. But now being removed from that, yeah, you probably definitely miss it for sure. Hey, listen, guys, uh, we'll come back to the stadium talk because this has been great, but we got to take our first break here. Um, you're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. It's their Christmas sort of end of the year show, and we're going to take our first break. We'll be right back. This episode of Soccer Talk in the Park is sponsored by Outback RV. Discover the Outback at Outback Country RV, Sherwood Park's first RV dealer. And we're back. You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Soccer. I keep slipping into the American soccer accident. It's a crazy thing. I love it. Must be because it's Christmas. I'm feeling some. I'm feeling some giddy, or it's all the chocolate in the office I've been pounding back. So <laughs> I'm going to be a heavy boy by the time this season's over. <laughs> Listen, we were talking about stadiums, and um, we're going to continue down that pathway just for a little bit more. Yeah, I've I've got a little story about a stadium. Um, took a a ninety eight boys team o- over to England from NSD Soccer Club. Uh, Troy Flannery, who's now the the new TD at St Albert Soccer, he uh, he was the head coach. And now I was the TD of the club, and I went along. And we arranged a whole bunch of games through Bolton Wanderers Football Club, who we had a partnership with. And we went to this little little stadium to play against. Chorley FC Juniors, and they they were a non-league team. The stadium was awful. I mean, it was <laughs> dilapidated, you know. But it, it was a proper proper ground. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it was a proper ground with dressing rooms and everything. And um, the kids just loved it. I mean, the pitch was awful, but you know, they got to go in the dressing room. There was maybe twenty people at the game. Most of them were parents from Canada. Yeah. Played played against this this team and uh, you know the, the kids were just black from all the mud yeah you know and they just they just loved it right and uh, I'll never forget it because in the FA Cup Charlie just won last week wow and they're going to be p- playing uh, 
it's not Spurs. It's I think Spurs are playing Marine, but it's it's a Premier Premier League team that's playing against them, and it's at Chorley. Wow! So the same stadium that these boys played in, you know, ten years ago or whatever. That's going to be on TV with that's the, the be Premiership awesome. Club, you know, and I mean it's a terrible stadium, but yeah, yeah. just the atmosphere was great for the kids, and and they loved it, you know. Well, not not to great. not to get away from the story, but are uh, uh, you guys can chime in too? Are those games that they're on they're on the zone, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah, no, on okay. TV. Yeah. Okay, just making sure because I, I would love to see that. That sounds like a great thing. Same with the Marine game. That's yeah, exactly. Going to be awesome, you know. That's and the, then yeah. after the game, the kids get to go into the the clubhouse, which is just basically a bar but you know kids are allowed in there and you know there's pictures on the wall and actually Andre Mariner played for Chorley FC before he became a referee so he was on the, on the wow. wall and he's a premiership referee right now so just there's so much tradition in those old little stadiums yeah like, it's really really special so so Dana what do you think uh, is your face up at the butter dome <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I don't know why um, I keep doing that. Sorry, man. Well, he is a slippery character. <laughs> yeah, he is a slippery character. <laughs> it's funny when Sean mentions um, those trips because they they, re- they remain, um, you know, fresh in the mind. I, I think it was 2001 when I was playing for Inter. We went over to the UK as well, and we did um, Wales and London a little bit. So we set up uh, various matches, and we had we played some small teams. In, in Wales, but we went to, I think, Swansea at the time, and I think they were Div 3, so they weren't in any type of stadium that they were in, you know, when they'd been in the Championship now or the Premier League, and we just, we loved it, because you saw tackles flying in, you heard chants and things that you thought you'd never hear, and it was a smaller type of stadium, but you just you just remember those those things, and we actually finished the, the tour by going to um, Chelsea's training ground, and we played Chelsea U-17, and we were U16s. We were a year young. We didn't know what to expect, but we we drew them nil nil, right? And it was it was such a cool talking point, you know, for the next three or four years when we came back and Chelsea were kind of getting bought and taken off. And it was just it kind of showed you that you know the, the youth that are here in Canada can, can compete in those environments as well. It's just getting those opportunities. So yeah, there, there's special times when you go over there as a youth and and get opportunities to play and and visit different grounds. So it's definitely. Definitely good memories for sure. It's it's fantastic to see the the kids' reactions and and how they respond. It was, it was we, I was in the same boat. I we went to a, a I took a team or was part of a team coaching staff of that took uh, two groups to to Holland and mm-hmm. um, we played in this a tournament called the Harlem Cup, which is like the southern part of I think it's the southern part of of the Netherlands and. Uh, unbelievable both in the teams that we played against and uh and and how well these canadian boys you know played against these european teams you you go there and as a north american you just imagine how how much quality is going to be there but it's amazing how the youth are the youth and and they're 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 pretty balanced And, and i mean that's something andreas you might even be able to chime in about being from europe how you know the levels of play and stuff. Uh, you know, you know when you're at a younger level, you'll find your odd player that's a superstar. But it's most most of them are they're pretty balanced, aren't they? Uh, in Europe or in Europe, yeah, yeah. We have. I think it's just the amount. I think we have so many um, um, youth athletes and uh, players. It's like 
so many and um but i definitely agree probably um players young players from here they definitely can compete um with european players um it's uh, it's just a thing um it's, i think it's just the the attitude and it's i think like kind of uh, treating players different and i think the players have a different vision than maybe um the like players in Edmonton, we we have like a lot of uh, professional clubs obviously like the professional vision in front of us and it's a little bit missing here what's the next step in the tra- um, in transition and this is maybe where players from from um, Canada or from here maybe from Edmonton what I see um, they're missing out they just don't, don't see the next step and we constantly have the next step uh, in front of us we know what's the next step here so yeah this is maybe the difference but yeah Definitely. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I'll just add on to that. If that's okay, D-Dub. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I mean, there's no doubt that Canadian players, up until about the age of 15, 16, you know, we have our best players can compete with the best players in the world up to that age group. But the problem is they have thousands of players like that. We have a very limited number of players and then they get put into professional environments at 15, 16, turn pro at 17, and it's just a different developmental process. Yeah. I mean, and now they're playing against men, training with, with world-class superstars at some clubs. You know, there's just that pathway for them from that age 15 to 23 where they're getting constant development, where here, you know, kids are finished top youth soccer at age 17, and there's very limited opportunity for them to go any further. So that's the difference. That that development from age 15, 16 to 23 is where we're really lacking here in Canada. Yeah. And if we had that, then we could compete as well, but unfortunately we don't. No, and that's something, I guess, that um, I know we've got the CPL League right now that's sort of an in-between league between... I guess the MLS, I guess, is sort of that, and before the USL even, which is the, like Division Two in, in North America, I guess, uh, and then the CPL. But, I, I, you know, the word is they're coming up with the CPL 2, which may be a little bit more of a door opener for some of the younger players, at least on the men's side. I know the women's side, they're looking into doing some things, uh, which could help out, which would be fantastic for everybody. So... Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a step in the right direction, but uh, as Andrea said, there's so many more, more opportunities for players to find their, their lane and then develop from there and progress to the next level. Where here it seems to be you, you finish at 17, maybe do some university soccer, and then there's limited opportunities to go on from there. Yeah. So until we get those other pathways in place, it's going to be difficult for Canada. But uh, we're certainly improving. Uh, the standard of our, our na- men's national team has been the best it has been in many, many years. And they only get, only get stronger under John Herdman. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Dano, when you were, when you, I was just yep. going to say, when you had your uh, opportunities, um, both with the national pool and just as a player, a young player coming into a, a pro level, was there much where you had you completely finished youth and then you moved on? Were you lucky enough to step into something in between there? Um, no, there is, there is nothing in between. You have to, you know, follow the pathway and the programs that were laid out at the time. And you're lucky to have the national training center just, you know, start its infancy in regards to the program. Obviously the, the training facilities and things like that aren't what we had available then. We were over at the mail, 
on that surface quite a bit, which is an ideal. But again, you 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 went where you could playing in the middle of winter, right? So um, I actually was still finishing up my grade 12 year when I was able to go on the national camp with Dale Mitchell to Czech Republic and Austria. So that was, that was good. It was really the opportunity to play for your, your club team. And we were lucky enough to go to nationals for three years and get noticed there and um, then kind of come out of high school and had opportunities to go to the UK and do some trials there and make my way on my own and then connected with the aviators that way. So not really a, a stepping stone in between, that's for sure. It was uh, even a different time back then than what it is now. Um, I was going to say, I don't know if you guys heard the news, but Alfonso Davies made the FIFA, um, FIFA team of the year for top 11 players. So, Wow, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was all the FIFA awards, I guess, today, and it was coming through on Twitter and whatnot. You know, the, the goal of the year, the Puskas and all that. So, um, yeah, get from Edmonton, Alberta is on the FIFA 11. So. How amazing is that? Yeah, yeah it's, it's wild. There's a few tweets. Um, Adam Vogue actually just shared one to me today and just saying that there's a kid from Edmonton, Alberta, that, you know, five years ago was playing locally in his club league and in, in, in the club school and academy system. And five years later, he's on the best 11 in the world. So it's quite the accomplishment for him and for Canada. So it's great. That's absolutely huge. Hey, listen, you know what? We're going to take another quick break. Uh, and when we come back, we'll we'll dip into the Christmas season and talk a little bit about uh, our own past Christmases, future Christmases coming up, and uh, you know, and we'll wish everyone the, the absolute best. So we'll give you all a shout in a little bit about Christmas. But uh, we got to take these breaks. You know what I'm saying? You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll be right back. This episode of Soccer Talk in the Park is sponsored by Outback RV. Discover the Outback at Outback Country RV, Sherwood Park's first RV dealer. And we're back. You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association, the season's greetings version of the show. Yes, this is the wind-up. This is the end of the year. This is the big We're Whatever, I'm making up words now because I can't think uh we've added another guest in here we have debbie ballum the gm of the club how you doing debbie good how are you very well okay the competitive nature is coming out of us we are yep. going to talk gingerbread houses and the fact that the entire staff will be in here tomorrow <clears throat> with their own gingerbread houses to be judged are you ready for this yep <laughs> <laughs> go on sean talk about your house yeah um my house isn't finished yet it's I've got a fantastic roof on it. So awesome. The roof that I put on will be the best roof of all the gingerbread houses. Wow. There's no question about that. Listen to this. So if it was a category on its own, I think I would win that category. I think <laughs> my roof would trump his roof. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, I, I've actually seen your roof. <laughs> <laughs> and you and you cheated on it. She used she used tools to create a nice roof. What do you mean tools? Uh, she had she bought a tool, <laughs> a roofing tool. But we were allowed to get spend a little money, Accessories. like but, but Debbie spent like five hundred bucks <laughs> on her house. <laughs> she spe- <laughs> she spelt the amount of a uh, small island's uh, <laughs> national debt load <laughs> <laughs> on this gingerbread house. I, I don't th- think it was quite that much, but it, it was. <laughs> and Andrea spent two hundred dollars. Apparently, Dre, did you spend two hundred dollars? 
I don't know if it was exact 200, but I spent a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to seeing your house as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. <laughs> that excitement in your voice is just top notch there. What about you, Dano? Uh, I definitely didn't spend anywhere close to that. Um, kind of tackled it without a plan to begin with, but then that plan slowly turned into a little bit of creativity. So wow. we'll see how it stacks up. I'm excited we'll see to see. I'm excited to see what you guys did. <laughs> this is really intriguing. Well, I actually opened the box finally last night. That's a good start. So I saw that. Oh yes, there is a gingerbread house in here. Now I have to think of decorating it. But I've got the plan of action. I'm looking at the picture on my computer as we speak. No. 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 I want to peek. She wants to peek, but no, not going to happen. Although I didn't. Yeah, you need, go you ahead. Need plan, B-Dub. You need to plan it because you need to be able to execute it. It's, just, it's no good going to the store and looking around being like, oh, what do I need to buy? <laughs> Well, kind of what I did. I, 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 I went home today and got him some supplies, extra supplies from my $500 stash of supplies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, my, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get the dregs of Debbie's mix and turn mine into a colossal masterpiece. A yeah, colossal I, masterpiece. <laughs> I was going to say something else, a pile of something, but I didn't want to go there. <laughs> what's, what's interesting is there's going to be pictures taken tomorrow, apparently. And then get sent out to a whole bunch of different people, uh, different stakeholders in the game. Wow. So we have our Adidas rep is going to nice. be one, one judge. Yeah. And I believe it's going to go to Canada Soccer and to Alberta Soccer and then to some other, other districts and clubs in Alberta to, um, to vote a on this. Wow. Right? So I've already contacted, so I've already <laughs> contacted all of those people <laughs> and just give them a heads up on make sure you pick the one that has the best roof. So well, I'm okay. win. <laughs> There's nothing built underneath that roof, but here you go. <laughs> I, think, I think Debbie's right. We're going to have to sign some type of clause that, you know, no pictures are leaked on social media beforehand to give it away yeah. for the judging the, the masterpieces and not the people. Sean. <laughs> There's going to be a bunch of side wagering going on once those pictures hit that internet or hit the emails. I'm sure of it. <laughs> so Debbie, could you give us uh, some insight into the plan that you put together to create such a wonderful masterpiece? The plan. Google. 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 Yeah. So, you, so you, you cheated. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I use, I use Pinterest as my, as my kind of uh, guiding Principle? To, to, find, Principle, to yes. find the whole thought process of what you yes, wanted to do. Yes, I picked out a few things that I liked <laughs> and kind of put it all together and still went as kind of, kind of, it was, it's not exactly what I had pictured, but it's close. See, yes. now I, I actually had a whole different idea of what I wanted to do until last night, the day before the event, and I changed and I flipped and I'm now going to do something else. So have you started yours? I've opened the box. Good. That's as far as I've gone. Great. Although I know exactly what I want to do. And there's a trip involved to another location to pick up some more supplies for it. <laughs> <laughs> Not $500 worth, mind you, but uh, there's like one more item that I need to uh, purchase to, to put things together. That thank goodness Deb's helped out with the extra supplies. Um and then I think I'll be okay to some degree. So, Sean, 
did, did you stay away from Google completely? Because I did as well. I just went full creativity for myself. Totally. It also... One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I just looked back on on my life and picked out <laughs> things that have occurred and I've seen in all my travels throughout the world, and it it would it was for, formulated in my brain. I didn't use any websites or cheating activities to get me to I'm, where I'm at. And I don't know where this is coming from, but I think Dano went through a lot of yellow dye so he could make the butter dome. what's with the the butter dome jokes i don't get it i I missed out on something no you haven't i'm just being an idiot and trying to fill time here so so dano did you say you you didn't use google at all right i didn't to be honest with you i actually was gonna make it into a soccer stadium that Mm -hmm. was like my ideal goal and i thought oh i could like break up the house and make it into some type of soccer stadium like that would be cool i tried to google that and then i had this random crazy idea that i'm like well that's not gonna work so then i just went with my idea that's not really even on google so we'll see how it works out but you you text me the other night asking me how to make people so i googled that and i sent you shots so technically you kind of use google oh no i looked at that and i showed my wife and i said oh my goodness look how good these people look like mine won't look anything like this so i definitely didn't use that so it's strictly to gummy bears. You'd be in the stick figure people, right? With a bunch of uh, smaller pretzels and stuff turned into people. Oh, yeah. It was jube jubes and everything else. And I, I heard from Sean that Rachel visited a baker in her spare time to get some techniques and whatnot. So oh, it really amped up this year. I'm I'm really interested to see some of the, the fringe looks. Mine, Dano's, Andreas's. We'll see what these are like when they come through the door. I, I know what to expect from Sean, you know, and I... I what do you mean? I, yeah. Well, no, I'm just thinking, I'm you just, know, it's a good thing we introduced the booby prize last night. <laughs> well, yeah, all I have is a good roof on mine. That's it. I've got the nothing fantastic. else. Okay, well, fair enough, fair enough. At least you, you've got a roof. I haven't even, I've just opened the box, so I'm a ways away. Sean, is, is that because the roof maybe took three or four hours and then you thought, I just can't continue on with it? Yeah, so basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's really special. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's a special roof. Yeah. I've, I've Debbie, heard. how many hours for you so far, or if you're done? Oh, maybe 10. Wow. Oh, probably 10. Wow. I'm going to be up late tonight. I was, late up, late, I was up late last night. I was going to say, I'm going to be up late tonight, I bet. <laughs> I've I've got the groundwork kind of done, but I'm not 100% happy. So we'll see what it ends up like tonight. You know what? And I'm strictly just doing the house. There's nothing going around it. Nothing. It's just the house. (laughs) So that'll be interesting. It could be in the Arctic. (laughs) Yes. White ice. It is total tundra. There you go. I'll get some edible shellac and put it on the... You don't have to do anything. It's just... Yeah, there you go. That's right. The silver thing, it's ice. It's on an ice field. Or an Mm -hmm. icy backyard. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Hmm? No, no. Yeah, Debbie, I agree. I'm excited to see everyone because there's about, what, eight or nine different ones and different creativity coming in rather than just the two. So it'll be a bit of fun to see what everyone does. Yeah. Hey, listen, I'm going to ask everybody what they're, we're going to be winding this up here pretty soon, but I wanted to throw out uh, favorite, I don't want to say favorite Christmas, but most memorable Christmas that you've had. How old were you? What was your, what was the gift you got that made it memorable or just the event that made it memorable? So 
Um, Debbie, I'll start with ladies first here. I saw you make the gesture like you remembered. What was it? Well, it it wasn't, it was a little bit awkward. It was, Lee and I were, um, we'd been dating for a few years. Uh And I don't know if you guys remember, you could get um, gifts wrapped up in tin, tin cans. Yeah. So I open it up and I'm all excited and, and I was expecting a ring, right? And um, so I open it up, and it's a really nice bangle bracelet. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Put it to the side, and I keep digging through the can. And at the end, I'm like, is that it? Oh. And he's like, pardon? <laughs> and <laughs> it didn't turn out well. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it's certainly memorable. <laughs> yeah, we, we talk about it still. <laughs> That's uh, uh, that's definitely something. And as a, being a guy, I uh, I've been there. I've been there, and then you're like, oh my god, really? What have I done here? Well, <laughs> what what do I have to do? Buy you a ring at Christmas. What was that? I said, we didn't buy you a ring at Christmas. Or what? No, he sent me tickets to the Butter Dome. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See, now we're all giggling. You're gonna think there's something going on. There isn't, Dad. Oh, it was just a silly. <laughs> There's a background joke about the Butter Dome. This will be called the Butter Dome episode, and nobody's going to know why. I don't even know why. What about you, Sean? What's your most memorable? Uh, one Christmas, I got a 10-speed racing bike. Wow. And a Brazil strip. Pardon? Brazil. Oh, uniform. A Brazil uniform. Yeah. That's awesome. And that was my best ever Christmas. Best ever Christmas. Dano, what about you? I don't, it's tough to say like what the best Christmas is. Something that sticks out for me, I was, I don't know, 11 or 12 and my brother and I got a N64 for Christmas and we never got video game systems. So this was the first one. But I remember it stuck out because my brother loved to go and snoop for presents and then he found this and I always wanted a surprise. I don't like to hear presents and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So he told me what it was. It was in my parents' car. It was locked away. And then I remember this specifically because opening it up, I had to, you know, act on the spot to be like, oh, I've never seen this before. And then seeing my brother's performance about, you know, acting, oh my gosh, I can't believe who's got this. <laughs> and my parents knew the whole time that he had snooped, so it was quite funny. That one sticks out for me. <laughs> Andreas, what about you? Have you got a favorite Christmas at all? or? Um, You know what? I think I enjoy, to be honest, like it's actually true, like, I enjoyed every Christmas Eve. I think, um, especially with my girlfriend right now, uh, since uh, many years, she makes uh, every Christmas special. Um, she's super into it. Like she's taking this very, very serious. We have every year uh, ten feet um, a real Christmas tree um, decorated in our house. It's bigger than our living room right now here. Um, and and uh, like not right now, but I mean years ago, our first Christmas together, we had I think uh, gifts for I think couple of thousand dollars under the Christmas tree. There was oh. so many, it was it's unbelievable. Yeah, she's taking this very serious, but it slowed down I think uh, after I spent all the money. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, the very first Christmas with her um, was very special. Like she's like oh, super, super. So wow, that is that is special. Such that's, a suck. You're just hoping she hears it. You get that great gift that you paid for, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. I have no what idea. about you? Me? I, I. Oh man, I would have to say there used to be a Hot Wheels set long ago called the Sizzler. Did you ever? I don't know if anybody's heard of it, but they used to have these things called the Sizzlers, and it, it was a track that you'd set up, and it, it, they they were like electric. 
So, but you had this giant gas tank looking thing and you would take the, the handle off it and plug it into the car and you'd push the top of the handle and it would like electrify the, the car and the cars would run for like 10 or 15 minutes, but you'd put both of them on the track. And I tell you, it was the most amazing Christmas. We raced those silly cars. I don't even like cars, but you know, this was great. Uh, and it was, it was super awesome. That and the first year I got a pair of Adidas ROMs. Remember Adidas ROMs, mm -hmm. the white with the blue stripes? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The first pair of those I got was pretty sweet sure. too. There's uh, running shoes. Oh, running shoes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, much like a Stan Smith, only, I don't know, it's hard to explain yeah. them. But uh, okay. anyways, that, that was my favorite. We'd ask someone else in the office. Oh, no, we won't. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's favorite Christmases. That's awesome. Um, and, and we'll actually, on that note, wind things up here on the show. Uh, so on behalf of D, who was unable to make it today, I want to say thanks to him for the year. And uh, I know he wanted to wish everyone from the club and uh, everyone listening in on the podcast uh, the happiest of holidays and a, and a Merry Christmas for all those who, uh, who like calling it that, which is great. Um, and for Sean, thanks for being on the show Debbie, thanks for always being there and stepping in. Uh, Andreas and Dano, um, always great to have you on the show and to, to be a part of this. It's, uh, it's fantastic and uh, love to have you there. So I, I, on behalf of myself, I'd like to wish everyone out there that's listening the best of the holidays. It's, a, it's been a tumultuous year, if I can speak English correctly here. But, uh, you know, it's been a tough year. So I'm glad we're through it. Glad we're on to the uh, light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, hopefully there'll be better things ahead for everybody, but uh, enjoy the holidays as best you can. Happy holidays, everybody. Yep, happy holidays. Happy, happy holidays. holidays. All right, so from us to you, we've all said it, happy holidays to everybody. Uh, you've been listening to the Christmas version of Sherwood Park District Soccer Association's Soccer Talk of the Park. We'll be back in the new year. We'll talk to you later. Bye. You've been listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association.